Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold. I'm Mark Green from the Cars Yeah! podcast. And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market Magazine. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the essence of collecting. This is show number three. So, Keith, how are you today? I am doing just great, Mark. How about you? I'm doing great, too. You know, uh, it's actually snowing here today, which is very bizarre, uh, where I live in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm not sure what's going on. But, uh, you know, other than I'm doing great, and, you know, in our little pre-show chat here before we uh, introduce our guest today, I want you to talk about a car you just bought. You bought a few cars over the years, but this is something very different. So take it away. Well, thank you, Mark. You know, I'm I'm an alpha guy, but my secondary passion has always been Volvos. I don't know why. They've got these funny little pushrod motors. So they don't go real fast, but I've owned a lot of them. And I, as I'm recovering from my stroke, my left leg is getting stronger, but I still can't drive a stick. There are a lot of things coming up this summer I want to be a part of. And so I went around and I found a Volvo 122 automatic. 1965, uh, they didn't make many of them because they thought that they would make them automatic for the American market. But Americans who were buying a Volvo in 1965, they wanted a manual transmission that was all part of the sports car thing. Anyway, it's here. It's at a shop. It's uh, having some things done to it. But I'll be taking it uh, on the SCM 1000. I'll be taking it to Monterey this year. I'm hoping to go to Virginia City over spring break with my son. So even though it's just got two pedals, Mark, I'm back behind the wheel of a classic car, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, Keith is back in the saddle again, baby, which is I, I think is brings such a huge smile to my face, Keith, that that you're doing this and. You know what's pretty cool? For you listeners, if you go uh, over to CarsYeah.com, you can click on Keith Martin. He was my guest a couple weeks ago. I had Keith on the show. We talked about the launch of Buy, Sell, Hold. And I got a picture of Keith with his car. He drove it down to a coffee shop to enjoy a cup of coffee and took some pictures with the blue elf, you call it, right? <laughs> the blue elf. The slices plate says ELF on it. Yeah. Yeah. Old, Cal- old California plate. Is that where the car yep, came from? Yep, yeah. yeah. Cool. And it's got the original paint, which is really cool. Very nice patina on this ride. Definitely not a Concor uh, car, but a very <laughs> usable car for what you're doing. And I think that's what's great about you, Keith. You're a guy that walks his talk. You you take your cars out, you drive them, you use them. And I think it's splendid that you rewarded yourself uh, on that anniversary of that very challenging day when your stroke hit you that, you know what, baby, I'm back. Well, Mark, what I've always said is that classic cars are the keys to a magic kingdom. With the Volvo, I can unlock the key to a road trip to Virginia City. Going there in a modern car would just be driving. But in an old car, you're you're scared to death over 60 <laughs> miles an hour. You're watching all your gauges and your lights to see what's going to happen. And my son will be asking me, should it be raining inside the car like this, Dad? I, I, but the point is that without the key, you don't get into the kingdom. And now with uh, this Volvo Automatic, I'm back in the kingdom, and I I just can't wait to get onto the road. Well, I'm so excited for you. I was thinking of you this weekend, because up here, I live in the Pacific Northwest like Keith does. It rains a bit. I have an older collector car. It's about, well, just turned 33 years old, a Porsche Turbo. And it was sunny on Sunday, and I said, what would Keith do today? I could sit here behind my computer and work like I always do, or take the car for a drive. So you 
gave me some motivation. I took my car out for a drive. I gave her a little love. A lot of people gave her a thumbs up and got a lot of people walking up at the gas station and stopped to buy some stuff at Napa. And I just went, every time I got back in the car, Keith, I smiled and I said, thanks, Keith. Thanks for the motivation. Mark, don't you think, too, that each time you get behind the wheel of that car, it's an emotional time machine and it takes you back? Yes. uh, You know, that car is from the 80s. I was married in the early 80s and I was living in San Diego and I used to drive uh, from San Diego up to North County where I lived and I'd go by Hohen Porsche and I'd always stop once a week just to kick the tires. And they had a turbo sitting in there that was crazy mint green color, special order paint to sample. My car is a paint to sample car in a wild metallic orange. And it just brings back those memories of, you know, I couldn't afford a car back then, new baby, new house, uh, young man, that now I'm reliving those times driving down the coast highway. So uh, Good for you. Good for you. It's great. Well, listen, uh, listeners, today we've got a very special guest, a tremendous collector here to add value to your life. Uh, His name is Aaron Weiss. We're going to be welcoming him in just a minute. We'll be back. But first, a special offer from Keith's team. It's Sports Car Market You Don't Want to Miss. We'll be right back. Here's another buy, sell, hold special offer. Do you love knowing what the collector car market has done when it comes to values? Of course you do. The Sports Car Market Platinum Auction Database puts 31 years of auction results right at your fingertips on your mobile device or your computer, no matter where in the world you are. With nearly 300,000 records, that's right, 300,000. It has the information you need to make an informed decision on that oh-so-important classic or vintage vehicle purchase. You'll receive all this for a mere $5.50 a month. That's less than the cost of a sandwich. As a Buy, Sell, Hold podcast listener, use the code PLAT50, that's right, P-L-A-T-50, to get this special discount. Just go to sportscarmarket.com slash Platinum 50, and the cart will automatically discount your order. Plus, Platinum subscribers also receive access to the full library of back issues of Keith Martin's Insider's Guides, a valuable resource for anyone in the market for collector vehicles. That's sportscarmarket.com slash Platinum 50. Get your discount today. All right, we are back. So, Keith, who are we talking with today? We're talking with my good friend, Aaron Weiss, on Buy, Sell, Hold. Awesome. Aaron Weiss has been an avid automobile enthusiast all of his adult life, acquiring his first collector car, which was a 1979 Rolls-Royce. Now, help me with this, Aaron. I'm going to say this name wrong. Kamarg. There we go. Kamarg. Thank you, my, my expert friend, some 20 years ago. Currently, his collection totals 34 cars, many of which are CCCA full classics. He has exhibited cars in over 200 Concours and club events throughout the United States, including 12 consecutive showings at the Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance. That's where I first met Aaron. He was kind enough to share one of his cars with my son when he was younger. Aaron and his wife, Valerie, drove their 1933 Cadillac V16 Phaeton in the 2012 Tournament of Roses Parade. That must have been amazing. And Aaron is a member of the Checkered Flag 200 at the Peterson Automotive Museum and serves on numerous regional and national automotive organizations. And he's the director of the San Marino Concours as well. He also serves and supports many charity groups and boards. So Aaron, welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. How are you today? I'm great, and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Well, Aaron, welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. If you could describe the collector car market today in just one word, what would that word be and why? Chaotic. 
<laughs> chaotic. And why do you choose that? It's just everywhere. Uh, good cars are selling for good money. Bad cars are uh, tanking in value. I think buyers have become more discerning. So it's, uh, it's everywhere. What do you, how do you see it playing out over the next couple of years? I think that um, over the next couple of years, we'll continue to see both a demographic shift away from the oldest cars, brass and full classics, into more 80s and 90s cars. I was talking to some young people in their early 40s, and their favorite car is a 1995 Mercedes E500 sedan. This was a car that was built for Mercedes on the Porsche assembly line. It's uh, got Uber horsepower, and uh, the young people really like that uh, those kind of cars. There was a Mercedes 190 that went for mid six figures at one of the auctions, and it had a 2.9 liter factory engine. And again, this was a car where its horsepower uh, was much larger or greater than normal, and it went for a lot of money. Well, we'd like to do, Aaron, is let's talk a little bit about three of your cars, three experiences. The first one would be the buy. Let's take about a mark and a model of a car where buying the car was really special for you, and what made it special? Well, I think that um, the buy would have been a 1937 Hork 853A Sport Cabriolet. And the reason for that is because we bought it sight unseen in Europe. So we we kind of had to validate the car and make sure that we were getting a real car. And then we had to go through the process of importing it and going through customs and all that red tape. And then we finally got the car and realized uh, it needed a lot of love. Well, what made you decide to buy this car sight unseen? Um, too cheap to travel to Germany <laughs> to see it. But uh, actually... I have a friend in Germany who is a well-known Mercedes judge, and I did send him over to look at the car, and he took several hundred pictures and uh, felt it was it had good bones and it was a good candidate for what I wanted to do. So we brought it over, and then once we got the car, we recognized that a German restoration and an American restoration are light years apart. If you had seen the car before you bought it, do you think you would have bought it anyway? Probably would have. There aren't a lot on the market, and there were uh, others that probably were in worse condition than this one. So probably I would have bought it uh, because I would not have been able to project when I would be able to find another one. Would you have paid the same amount, or would you try to broker to you know, negotiate harder? I think I would have negotiated harder, maybe by about 10%. But, I mean, there's a bottom line on these cars. The good news on this particular vehicle is we didn't need any parts. Huh, okay. And there aren't any. And what's happened with – tell us about this car and how it's served you on the Concours field. Well, we've uh, only shown it twice, and its debut is at Pebble Beach this year. It was a remarkable restoration. It took 18 months. And um, my restorer, uh, Harry Nix, out in Redlands, put all men on deck to do it. 
with the help of Bobby Mosier and uh, his team, we took the car down to the frame. And once we did, we realized, which is something we kind of um, had a inkling of, that all the wood frame body frame was ravished by termites. And so we had to rebuild a lot of that wood, and that took some time. But once we got that done and we started putting a sheet metal back on it, it went real quick. And as I said, we did not need any serious parts that uh, we couldn't get. And on a car like that, where there may only be 50 left, the production on those was probably under 700. I mean, there's just not a lot of parts left, and there's not much of a market for them either. So uh, finding them is like looking for a needle in a haystack. Would you real quickly describe to listeners who aren't familiar with this kind of car about the market? Certainly. In the day, there was a consortium of car companies, DKW, Wanderer, Hork and Audi and Auto Union. Basically, they formed a uh, a holding company, which would have been Auto Union. And uh, the story is that Mr. Audi started building Audis. His investors were uh, displeased with him, and they outed him. He went ahead and started Hork. But during um, the 30s, late 30s, the four companies came back together again. Audi was having problems, got acquired by Auto Union, and Mr. Uh, Audi ended up owning his car company again. At the end of the day, it's the Audi that uh, is the surviving mark, although Horks were made into the 50s. Yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful cars. And uh, I know for those uh, listeners out there, we'll, uh, we'll put a picture of this car on his show notes page, or you can look them up, uh, spelled H-O-R-C-H, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Look this up, because these might be cars that some listeners have not seen before. And of course, if you're going to be so lucky to be at the Pebble Beach Concours this year, you'll get to see Aaron's car on the lawn. Congratulations for that. Let's talk next about what I like to call the memorable sale, the buy-sell part of buy-sell-hold. Let's talk about a significant vehicle that you've owned and you've let go. What was that vehicle, and uh, how did you decide on the selling price? The car that comes to mind is a 1942 Packard Darren, and we had bought that car about 10, 12 years ago. We did a sympathetic restoration on it. We really didn't paint it or anything, but we fluffed it up. It was in pretty good shape to begin with. We had taken it to maybe a half dozen, dozen concours, and it had done well. It didn't always take a first, but usually at least a second. It was a nice running car. And one day I walked into my warehouse where I keep the cars, and I was looking, and I said, you know, we haven't driven it. We haven't shown it. We haven't done anything with this car in years. And I just fell out of love with it, Mm. and uh, it was time to go. So we had a couple of choices. We Usually I like to sell them through brokers, but um, a major auctioneer got a hold of me and sat in my lap and told me, I'm not getting up until you can sign it. <laughs> they do that sometimes, don't they? <laughs> well, they have their ways. Yeah, they do. At the end of the day, were were you happy with what you got for the car? Yeah, I was. The car um, hammered a little bit below the reserve, the 
auction company made up the difference. So I got, I got my, my reserve basically. Mm-hmm. And I was happy. I mean, I, it, it, whenever you're selling a car, you have that fantasy moment where there's three guys that can't live without it and they bid it <laughs> off the chart, but they didn't show up that day. So uh, we got what we got. Looking back, do you ever regret selling it? I never have. I, I, I've sold um, 24 cars since I started collecting. And there's not one that I really would say, well, I need to go out and buy that car back or one like it. Once they go, they're gone. Well, that's a good thing. You know, that means you're really ready to get rid of them. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I haven't had the caliber of cars you've had, but I've had some fun cars. And I think there's maybe only one kind of wish I still had. And it really isn't because the car was that special. It's because the memories I had with that car with my son are what made it special. So I can just live on with those. So fantastic. Well, let's take a short break. Uh, we have another little special offer here from the team at Sports Car Market and one of our kind sponsors. So hang on. We'll be right back. Here is one of the country's finest automotive events that you should not miss, the Amelia Island Concorde Elegance. Now in its 25th year, this multi-day iconic event takes place March 5th through the 8th at the Ritz-Carlton on the beautiful Florida barrier island of Amelia. You'll enjoy seminars, road tours, an RM Sotheby's auction preview, silent auction, a delicious banquet dinner, the Porsche driving experience, and Saturday's cars and coffee at the Concours with over 450 incredible cars and inspiring people. Then there's Sunday's main event, the spectacular Amelia Island Concorde d'Elegance, where you'll get to see 300 significantly historic vehicles. Roger Penske is this year's honoree, and there will be many past honorees attending who are the leaders and shakers in the automotive world. The Amelia Island Concorde is a 501c nonprofit foundation that raises money for North Florida and many national charities. Learn more at ameliaconcours.org. That's ameliaconcours.org. And we'll see you there. I've been subscribing to Sports Car Market Magazine for decades, and it shows up like clockwork in my mailbox every month. But what about when I'm on the road? Did you know that digital subscriptions to Sports Car Market are just $2.50 a month when you sign up with the promo code DIGITAL50? That's less than a cup of coffee. You get 50% off regular price just for listening here to Buy, Sell, Hold. Plus, digital subscribers receive instant access to a year's worth of back issues and the exclusive Insider's Guide, including the 2020 Insider's Guide to the beautiful Amelia Island Concourse and all the spring auctions as well. No more boredom while sitting at the airport or on your flight. To get your Sports Car Market digital subscription at this discount, go to sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Your order will automatically get you the 50% off. What a deal. Go and sign up today at sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. So, Aaron, let's talk about a vehicle that you'll never let go of. Tell us what that is and share your great memory or experience to tell us why it will always be a part of your collection. Well, the car at the moment that I would say <laughs> that I wouldn't let go, and that, you know, that does change, is a um, 1936 Mercedes 290 Cabriolet A. And this is a car we also bought in Germany. Same scenario, uh, almost. Um, 
the Mercedes-Benz Classic Center located the car for me and um, told me, well, here's the guy's phone number. Go, go buy it. We negotiated a deal. Again, my friend in Germany went to look at the car and reported that it was in great shape. And uh, we bought it. For those listeners who may not under, uh, be familiar with the pre-war Mercedes, there was a Cabriolet A, B, C, and D. And as you go down the alphabet, they get frumpier. So your Cabriolet A is a real swoopy two-door convertible. Your Cab B is what we would call in America a Victoria. And your C and D would be usually a four-door all-weather Phaeton, short wheelbase and long wheelbase. So the Cab A is very swoopy. It doesn't have side mounts. Uh, it has double uh, spares on the back end, which is kind of like a ducktail that comes down. It's a very pretty car. It's uh, two-tone green, and um, it really draws a lot of attention wherever we go. So it's it's just a great car, and it's a price point car. You know, it's not a 540K by any means. It's a 290, so we're missing a couple of uh, liters here. But it's an incredibly reliable car. This is a car, if you came to me in the morning and said, you know, Aaron, let's drive across the country. Pick a car, let's go. I have to say that's probably the one I would pick. It's real solid, it's tight, and it's really reliable. It it never um, talks back to me. You get in, you start it, it goes, and it doesn't stop. So it's really been a great car. Can you tell us about the very first time you drove that vehicle and what it felt like to you? Well, this is callous. um, (laughs) The first time I drove the vehicle was actually in the Pebble Beach Tour d'Elegance on the Thursday before the, uh, the show. And I would say it's baptism by fire. The guys had literally finished the restoration on Sunday night before a full week before Pebble Beach, we threw the car in the trailer, took it up to uh, Monterey, and uh, really never had a chance to drive it. So Thursday morning, about 6.30, we pull it out of the trailer, and I'm driving the car for the first time. Holy cow. And the first thing that everyone needs to understand is these older cars kind of have minds of their own. It's not like your brand new Lexus. You get in it, you press a button, the thing starts. It always starts. These cars, they may start in the morning, but they may not want to start in the afternoon. <laughs> Siesta you know, they time. <laughs> kind of like my dog. Sometimes he listens, sometimes he doesn't. So I was really thrilled. You know, you're all, again, you know, Pebble Beach is a lot of anxiety. You can cut the anxiety with a machete. Yeah. And um, so you get in the car in the morning and you're, oh, please start, please start. And this thing first cranks started right up. And I go, wow, this is pretty good. Didn't stall, pulled it out of the trailer, took it out, put it in line for the uh, tour and you turn it off. And every time you turn off one of these cars, you're going, oh, my God, I hope it starts again. (laughs) And we had a little bit of problem starting it when it came time to start the tour. But we figured it out and it started it did whatever it is, 70, 80 miles without any hiccups. It didn't run out of gas. It behaved. It took hills well. And it has an overdrive. So that stretch between um, Carmel Valley and um, 
big sewer, a uh, big sewer uh, national park or whatever that is. Uh, it just, it just, cru- it was a total cruiser and we just had a great time. And this was one of the few times we took a car where it was only a two seater. So it was me and my wife. Usually I have my restore with me to bail me out of any mishaps and Valerie and I were on our own and she knows nothing about cars. And I think I might know less. So, you know, we're just hoping like, you know, we're, we're being, we're, we're praying that we get through this and miraculously the car got us back into uh, Carmel and we parked it and had lunch and came back out and you won't believe this. It started again <laughs> and we were just really thrilled and we got it back to the uh, trailer it was just a great car and we've shown it a couple of times since and we took it to amelia island and we did their tour their tour is flat as the top of your table you know there's no hills there's nothing you just go and it was a great little car to drive and we've driven a a few times since take it out on the freeway and it is just like a, a sewing machine it just goes and it doesn't give you any you know any problems so, Aaron, is there a price at which you would part with that vehicle or a reason that you would ever sell it? What would it take to get that car away from you? Oh, gosh. Uh, how about a 540K Sport Especial? <laughs> sold, no. sold, sold. Sold, yeah. You happen to have one in your garage. I don't know. I mean, you never know. If, if, if uh, We had another car, and it was a 1933 Cadillac V16 all-weather Phaeton. And, um, we drove it in the Rose Parade and my wife was very, became very sentimental over the car. And it was one of those things where we'll never sell it. Well, let's not go that far. A couple of years <laughs> later, I was out there and I was looking at values and I've never bought a car to make money on. I buy them because I want the car and I spend whatever it takes to make it perfect. And so, the, the, you know, I'm not sitting there watching uh, the market and saying, oh, my God, you know, uh, it's not like stocks where you're charting something. And I don't think you can with those cars. But I, I walked into my warehouse one day and I said, all of the all-weather Phaetons are out of here. And we, uh, I called a, a good friend of mine who's a well-known car broker, and I said, uh, arrange for trucking. And we took the two cars and shipped them to his location and within a couple of months i got this number 10 envelope with a check in it it was great and i've never looked back nice nice well awesome stories let's talk about that ultimate collector car dream this is the dream ride that you don't already own the car that might tick every box in your box of needs uh share with us what this car might be why you love it is it the design the looks the engineering the fun factor, the usability. What's the dream ride, Aaron? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, Chevrolet came out with a 1963 split window Corvette. My friend and I must have made a dozen, if not more, of these. You remember the old uh, three-in-one customizing kits, oh, models yeah. you got? Oh, yeah. I built and those. <laughs> Our problem was we really liked this metallic blue color. And when we painted it on, it kind of did weird things. So we were constantly throwing out the model and trying to paint another one. That's a car that I, I, I've always liked. It, it was a car that came out 
only a couple of years before I got my driver's license, and they were still making them when I got my driver's license. And so, you know, it was a car that, God, I wish I could afford. It's a car I'd really like to have. If I bought one, I'd, I'd want the, the um, fuel-injected model, the 360 horsepower. The problem with it is there's too many people who are alive who know how that car went together, matching numbers. And uh, I was at one of the auctions, and there was a, a local expert on um, – I call them gurus. The Corvette guru of Los Angeles was there, and he's pointing out to me things on these Corvettes at the auction, and I'm going, I would have never even thought to look at this. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Um, I always tell people I like to collect cars that were manufactured by dead people because there's nobody <laughs> around to tell me it's not correct. <laughs> but there's got to be... Yeah, there's got to be volumes of information on on 63 Corvettes. Right. And uh, I talked to people who uh, take them to NCRS competition and Bloomington Gold and Super Chevy and all this. And I hear of the they're dragged over the coals. They're multi-hour evaluations. And um, it's, it's a tough car to buy. I think it would be I'd have to get some really good qualified assistance before I'd buy one. But it's a car I just like to have because I have that emotional tie to it from when I was a, I guess I was a teenager, young teenager. I don't think that's what you wanted me to say, but no, it's a great answer. It's a great answer. Perfect answer. It makes sense. I think for, for why so many people buy the cars. I mean, Keith and I were talking before you called in about my 87 turbo uh, in the early 80s, I'd just gotten married, bought my first home, had my first child. I couldn't afford to go buy a new turbo, so I'd go and kick the tires, and pretty soon after a few months, they'd say, stop coming in here unless you're going to buy something, and it was the turbo sitting there that I looked at, and I finally bought one 10 years ago and reliving my dream every time I get in it. Well, there's cars, I think, that people buy cars they have a tie to. I've always claimed that men buy cars that were built between the time they were 15 and 25. And unfortunately, our millennials don't get married as soon as we did. So we may have to stretch that 25 to 30 or 35. But, you know, once you get married and you have a family and you have to get a minivan or something, I mean, you know, the <laughs> dream goes bit. away for a while. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But you go back to it. You go back to the car that you, you know, maybe you dated your wife the first time, a, a car that your family took a long road trip in. Uh, the first car you learned how to drive in, something. There's there's some tie there, and I think people uh, nostalgically look for that. You know, that may not be their second buy, but it might be their first buy. So, Aaron, this is uh, the Sports Car Market Podcast, and let's touch back on the market for a second before we wrap this up. The market today, you said, is chaotic. Has the market affected your buying and your selling? Has the market affected the San Marino Classic? What effect does the market have in all the ways that you're connected with the collector car world? I think that people who have really good examples are going to hold on to them. They're rare. They're irreplaceable. Most of the people I know that have those kind of cars, you know, the a one-off Duesenberg or a very special V16 Cadillac, a V16 Marmon. Uh, you sell a car like that, you probably will never have an opportunity to buy another one again. And I think those are going to find themselves in large collections where there's longevity. 
I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think that there is an emergence of young people coming into the market, and they're going to look at cars in terms of affordability for their first car, maybe their second car. And there's plenty of opportunity right now to buy something that you might not have been able to afford otherwise. It's a great market to buy a touring car. And so I think that that's um, kind of where it'll be. I think that there'll be, you know, there'll be some unhappy people. Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more uh, of the auction companies having events where they say we're, we're auctioning off the estate of, right, as right. opposed to the collection of. And, and, and I feel relatively certain that as good a time as Val's had with the cars, you know, when I take my last breath, I always joke with her. I said, well, don't don't call the funeral home 1-800 and the auction company. <laughs> and I said, and I tell her, I said, get rid of them. Don't you won't be able to stomach holding them. You know, this is not a this is not a hobby for the thin of skin, the, the thin skinned. You, you've got a you, this is a rock and roll deal and you buy a car and you know, stuff can happen and, you know, it can be tens of thousands of dollars to get it properly fixed. So I think that there'll be more and more uh, estate sales and the good stuff will be snapped up by savvy collectors. But on the other hand, the, the, the rest of it'll, it'll get sold. If you, if you look at the auction companies that uh, we were just at uh, Phoenix, they all complained that there wasn't any really great product out there. And that was reflected in a lot of cars without reserves. And it was reflected in a lot of cars that didn't go for a whole lot of money. Absolutely. Very interesting. You know, before we uh, sign off here with the last couple of questions, I want to touch on this event that you're in charge of, San Marino Classic. Could you tell our listeners a bit about that show? When does it take place? Why they should attend? Okay. The San Marino Motor Classic will be celebrating its 10th anniversary on June 14th. This event is pretty much one of the few concourse level car shows in Southern California. Uh, my good friends down in La Jolla have a, a great show, and that's it. Several others have uh, gone by the wayside. We're going to have, we think, about 450 cars on the field, 35 classes. I believe that there's something that will be of interest to everyone. And uh, in addition to that, we are hosting the uh, Ferrari Club of America Southwest Region Concorso Ferrari, and they have promised to bring me 120 Ferraris, which we had last year on the field. And right now, I mean, young people really like Ferraris. So um, (laughs) this is really good. But aside from being another car show, the San Rio Motor Classic, in its nine years, has raised over $2.3 million for charity. Wow. And we support the uh, Pasadena Humane Society and um, Cancer Support Community uh, Pasadena. All the proceeds go to some really good causes. And this year, as a bonus, we are hosting the Automotive Fine Arts Society Art Exposition and Sale, and that will be on Saturday and all day on Sunday. So there's a lot to do and we just invite everybody to come out. We're reasonably priced uh, and a family can come to our show. Uh, it's not going to break them. They can eat uh, inexpensively, enjoy the, a great day in a great venue and have a really good time. And that's been our objective. Give everybody a good time. 
All right, Aaron, you've taken us on an incredible ride today. This has been really special. Good to catch up with you and learn and share your knowledge with investors out there and collectors, of course. I wondered before we let you go, though, if you might share a little piece of uh, inspiration or advice for those folks out there thinking about buying a collector car on whether to buy, sell, or hold. What would that be? Well, I think it's always time to buy. There's always an opportunity out there. And um, I always tell everybody, you buy from the heart. You buy something you like. If you were to buy art, you'd buy a piece that you liked. You, you should not be looking forward and say, well, I want to buy the car for X. I'm going to put Y in it and I'm going to sell it for Z. That may never occur. You need to have passion for the car. You have to really enjoy the car. And if you happen to make a few bucks, you know, God bless you. You know, that's an extra bonus. But I think that's people need to buy what they like and stop trying to make this into a business. It's too uh, complex for the average guy to understand. And you have to be prepared that you may have your money tied up for quite a while. It, it should. It's not like you go out and buy a thousand shares of some stock and you can sell it and get a check in three days. The selling process could take some time and be a little aggravating. So buy what's in your heart, enjoy it, take it out. There's some people who love to show. I'm one of those. There's some that like to drive. There's some that like to tour. There's some that like to race. There's some that like to rally. You know, buy whatever it is you really want to, uh, you know, and and buy something that is compatible with what you want to do and, and just have a really good time. And the most important part of this hobby is not the cars. It's the people you meet. Yeah. Bravo. When I look back over the 20 years of all the people I have met, that's really what is in my, you know, stays in my mind. Uh, we went to a couple of parties recently and everybody there were our car friends. And I think to myself, what a great group of people. And we never would have met them if I hadn't bought that Rolls Royce Camargue. Very cool. What's the best way for people to learn more about the San Marino Motor Classic? Is there a website? Yes, of course, there's a website. And our website is www.sanmarinomotorclassic.com. You can enter a car. You can see pictures and of previous years and kind of get a feel for the event and actually enter a car or buy tickets, whatever you want. Fantastic. Listeners, again, you can find everything on Aaron's show notes page. Uh, you can go find that on the Sports Car Market website or on the Car Show website. You can learn and follow through on everything that you've learned here today. Hey, Aaron, thanks for taking some time out with us today, being so generous with your time. It's always good to catch up with you. You are a plethora of information. Thank you for being guest number three here on Buy, Sell, Hold. Well, it's my honor, and I appreciate the opportunity. Aaron, I look forward to seeing you in the near future. I likewise, sir. All right. See you at the San Marino Motor Classic very soon. Take care. Thank you. Hey, Mark Green here. If you love the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast, you'll want to listen to my Cars Yeah podcast where over five years, 
I've interviewed over 1,475 inspiring automotive enthusiasts. You'll have free access to my guest shows five days a week. These are amazing people who share their world around cars, trucks, and motorcycles. I take a deep dive into their businesses, and they share with you how they've wrapped their passion for vehicles into their lives. Plus, go to the CarsYeah.com website and hit the free book button, and I'll email you my free filler-up book. It's an ebook filled with beautiful fuel filler fun and inspiring quotes from my past guests. Once subscribed, you'll get my weekly blog as well. You can find all the Cars Yeah shows on CarsYeah.com or on any mobile device using your podcast app. Just search for Cars Yeah Podcast and subscribe today. That way you'll get both Buy, Sell, Hold with Keith and me and the Cars Yeah Podcast delivered right to your mobile device or your computer. Thanks for listening. We hope to have shed some light today on the collector car market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyeah.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah website as well. Be sure to log into sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM weekly newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.